0: Welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, which if you haven't heard, they have a new lawsuit that they just announced against the EPA for everything that's been happening in East Palestine. They are representing a single mother there in Ohio that's been impacted by everything. And, you know, that's a topic we're going to talk about a little bit today with today's guest, Dr. Andrew Huff, the author of The Truth About Wuhan, How I Uncovered the Biggest Lie, in history and of course dr huff one of the uh whistleblowers and former executive of the eco health alliance he's he's a scientist he's a writer um he's a veteran and he is doing so much to blow the whistle on everything that's been happening not just with covid but i want him to also serve as an inspiration for you all to not be silent to stand up to say something maybe just in your everyday life and interactions i want to share quickly this brief email that i received from a viewer and you guys can all email me if you'd like taryn at wethepatriotsusa.org if you've got a story or any or a comment or a question, but uh, this, this audience member who's pregnant had an incident at her doctor's office. She said, quote, I do enjoy my primary practice and I've never had an issue the entire pregnancy until this last visit. The protocol is optional masking, not required masking. Unfortunately, this physician placed her own political preference into the visit and refused to treat me when she asked me my COVID vaccine status. Totally neglect, and so I absolutely escalated this situation. My plan was to provide the evidence-based practice and attach legal documentation to it, but in the lapse of 24 hours, I received a phone call from my hospital with an apology as to what occurred during that scheduled appointment. I do not have to mask Thank you for standing for correct medicine and providing essential information that otherwise would otherwise would be censored. Well, thank you, thank you for taking the stand um, because see, you know, if you if you call them out on it, if you push back, um, things can happen. You can um, make a difference, and um, you can you know help to uh, help to push us forward in all of this. And someone who is doing so and who has been this entire time, Dr. Andrew. Hunt we're gonna speak to him in just a moment where do we go from here because the battle has just begun as eyes open we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers educating ourselves and forging a new path forward Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom this is faithful freedom with taryn gregson presented by we the patriots usa a nonprofit 501 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our god-given inalienable rights dr huff thank you for joining us today
1: thank you so much for having me
0: absolutely and you know recently this week you guys had a big announcement that a movie could be in the works for y'all which Makes so much sense considering you've had the FBI come after you, all the different ways that you've, you know, been your career and the path that it's taken you. And then, um, you know, you become a whistleblower and you're doing so much to help people in that respect. So congratulations. What's what's that uh, been like for you the past few days?
1: Sure. It's been a whirlwind. So um, I had received a number of offers actually to make my book into a documentary or a feature film. And I hired a, a really hot shot entertainment lawyer uh, because all my whistleblower uh, blower lawyers didn't know what to do with a, a movie deal uh, or documentary deal. And uh, she helped me craft the first deal and, and all the, the other deals fell apart. And then this past weekend, I actually went and met, met with the, some A-list Hollywood people. That's all I can say. And they want to financially back the movie. I actually sat down with some famous writers and producers and we started putting out the plot together of how this is going to turn into a movie. They're going to make me an executive producer on the film, um, so I'm going to have a heavy hand in in what you know who's acting in it, um, how how it's described or how it's portrayed on the screen. Um, and and it's exciting.
0: It's very exciting. Has your life felt like the action movie that that um, is you know being presented forth?
1: Uh, yeah, actually, if, so. It's funny, there was a part of the discussion when I was sitting down with the writers and the producers when we were trying to figure out how we were going to d- depict all this craziness and tell a story and, and have impact to the, to the true meat of this, which is, you know, SARS CoV 2 was man made in a laboratory. Like, how do we tell the story? So we started naming off films, you know, well, for, you're sort of like Forrest Gump. Well, you know, or, you know, you're sort of, a, this was sort of like Enemy of the State. So we started going through all these different movies where you know, there, there's similarities. So that, It's just, it's surreal that I lived through this over the the past three years. All my friends um, thought I had a crazy life up until before this, this insanity happened because I did so many different things and I was always chasing opportunities. And then when I, you know, texted my friends and called them on Monday to tell them the latest news, they're like, Jesus, you have the craziest life. I can't believe it.
0: And then, as all of this is unfolding, you know, one of the most recent articles that we've seen out of the media finally talking about, um, you know, many things that we've known for for several years now. Quite frankly, having to do with the pandemic, the the. Uh, the Washington Journal, you know, coming out and saying that uh, this was indeed probably uh, constructed in a lab—something that you've been talking about with your whole books about. What's that been like to to finally start to see things like this? The New York Times talking about how masks don't work. You know, we've people have been saying these different uh, narratives. What's that been like to finally see them start to say these things in the in the mainstream media?
1: Well, you should probably listen to your fringe epidemiologists and conspiracy theorists. I mean, that's how they tried to smear us and how they tried to paint us. And and just think back um, over the past three three, three years about all the independent voices and scientists that had been saying these things, and we were just heavily censored and suppressed. So going forward, I hope that people like myself and a number of other scientists and epidemiologists have have more say and they listen to us because we've always been these people. We've always been telling the truth. We've always been putting forward good science, good policy. And I think we shouldn't have so much focus on the past personalities that have been on TV or in the media. And I think people like um, uh, Martin Koldorf, uh, Jay Bhattacharya, myself, Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. McCullough, we're the real experts, and hopefully we get to talk and, and set the narrative about health policy and science going forward.
0: I And it was the Wall Street Journal, excuse me, I, I said that incorrectly. Do you think that there's, what sort of motive might be behind them now, slow rolling out this this information?
1: Sure. So there's, there's a number of things all happening simultaneously, and we could really get into the weeds here. And I'll try to start off light and superficially. So the report this weekend, well, I, I think the report came out this weekend. is I think I've still been under surveillance, but not like I was a year ago where they're trying to either kill me, conduct surveillance, make me go crazy, all that insanity. That, that has stopped. But I, I know that my conversations are still being tapped and I'm being watched and followed. That's fine. I'm, I'm not breaking the law. But I think this, this pivotal moment this weekend where Hollywood comes to back me and my story um, that is just going to be too much because that captures the average American, maybe the people who aren't highly um, interested in these topics, people who want to avoid it. When it becomes a feature film, it becomes something else. And this is something that the filmmakers discussed with me. They said there are a lot of stories that, that people never heard of until they became movies. And they said this will change, change everything. And then with the big names that became, became to support the movie, both you know, in verbal support but also uh, monetary support, it, it totally changes what the government's calculation is, what the pharmaceutical industry's calculation is. So that's probably part of this report coming out. The other thing is that these reports or these requests for reports from the national laboratory system, which I used to be a part of, um, they take time and it was probably in the queue. and they want to get ahead of bad information before someone else points points at them and says you screwed up. So if this report was already in the works at the uh, through the Department of Energy um, at Los Alamos National Laboratory, that's where this report came from. They probably expedited it because there's gonna be a number of hearings in the next few weeks uh, in both the House and in the Senate, which will probably reveal a lot of this information. They don't want to look bad. They don't want to look stupid. Uh, The career bureaucrats and technocrats, have a, have a lot to lose I mean they, they they can get fired or they can get put at desks where they um don't do anything if they don't get fired that's that happens more often than not I've, I've known a few over the years where, where that's happened to them um so that's sort of the the, the the all the variables that are in the mix if you look you know bigger picture here what's going on you you know everyone's probably noticed that there's been a real wrapping up of you know tensions between Russia China Ukraine and it seems like the globalist parties like the World Economic Foundation the corporations that are part of that and world leaders that bought into this false bs narrative the lockdown policy these dangerous jabs are all looking for an excuse to be able to get out of this and not address it and that's why you know it's important for the audience to understand like we need to have let cooler heads prevail here i think what they're trying to do again is distract us all with a war and i think everyone in the united states sort of has that sense if you look at the opinion polls from both the left and the right, nobody's really a fan of you know the U.S. getting involved in uh, World War III with nuclear powers. I mean, that's just a terrible idea, even though Ukraine is begging for us to send them more support, more aids, more troops, get involved, bring, bring our NATO partners into it. So all just so Ukraine can be part of NATO. And if it weren't for platforms like yours and a lot of, uh, I guess, the alternative media out there, we we might be in a much darker place right now and i'm i'm thankful to you and the actually all the other small plat- platforms that help elevate people like myself because otherwise um the mainstream media, media would probably have us walking into world war 3
0: and you know we appreciate all of you taking the time to, to go on all these different shows. Um, There's so many out there now. So it, it it makes a difference that all of these um, viewers and listeners can hear it um, no matter who they're consuming it from. And so that's important. I totally am uh, on board with that theory about, you know, the war being a distraction and alternative motives with Ukraine and NATO and everything. But what about Russia being the one that started the war how does that play into that theory
1: well there's certain things you can do like the the calculation that you can you can look at here is that one side has to do things to provoke the other side so before this all kicked off Russia handed Ukraine an, a treaty agreement saying if you don't join NATO uh we won't invade you or we'll de-escalate this well they refused to sign and then Russia began to, to stack up forces. And I think within Russia, they suffered quite a bit from the pandemic as well. And they also, I don't know if their lockdown policies were as, as strict, but they they implemented many of the same measures that Western governments did. I don't think to the same extreme as the United States did. Actually, the United States is one of the most uh, to, to tailored to to if I can get that split out, uh, <laughs>
0: totalitarian oh, yeah. i know it's totalitarian. Funny.
1: thank you uh places that um it was one of the most totalitarian places in the, in the world uh next to maybe Australia so mm-hmm. when you think about that it, it, it it's rather chilling but for russia to to invade when they did it was probably just the opportune moment for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm
0: I would agree. I would agree with that and I think many people listening would. And before we start to talk more about the the Wuhan truth and dig into that a little bit more, I want to bring up, you know, something that you talked about a little bit last year after the the raid on your house in October of of 2022 by the FBI and the Michigan State Police. Um then we kind of started to hear uh you know about how that info, some of that info that was maybe taken from your house during that had to do with your charting out for, of the food and ag systems when you were working alongside the Department of Homeland Security and how you were kind of tracking uh, the the big ag and, and the food supply systems, their their security, their vulnerability, and how someone would maybe attack these facilities. And then fast forward, now we've been seeing these different things happening to our food supply through, you know, different, different uh, food suppliers that have had, you know, catastrophes in their, in their manufacturing facilities. You know, obviously we've heard a lot about the bird flu and different diseases and cattle dying and all this stuff. And then now we have all of these, uh, you know, derailments, explosion, toxic Toxic chemical leaks, all of these different things. And, you know, there's more. If you follow some of the fringe media, there are a lot more popping up than the media is talking about, too. It's pretty crazy what's been happening over the past couple of weeks. How do you fit those? Do you fit those together with um, what you've known about the food and ag systems, too? Yes.
1: Yeah, so some of it fits together. So the, the backstory is the there weren't really raids on my house, there were just straight up illegal break ins, probably conducted under the guise of the Patriot Act. And how I know is the Michigan State Police and the FBI or I should say, unknown federal agents, which could have also been the CIA or uh, Defense Intelligence Agency. I caught them trespassing my property. (laughs) So that was a year year into it. Uh, But the strange thing is when I first moved from uh, Silicon Valley to Michigan in the late fall, early winter of 2019, I had a hard drive go missing. And I didn't think anything of it. I I had moved across the country, but I was certain I had this thing in a safe and it was gone. And I'm like, this is the strangest thing ever. Didn't think anything of it. Well, I knew about COVID, COVID happens first year. And then when this harassment starts happening in my life, I'm speaking with a, a man that I suspect and I actually actually tell him on the telephone that you're CIA. And he knows everything about e Alliance. He knows all the details of the research. He knows way too much information. Well, what do you tell a spook who's lying to you? You don't tell him the truth. So as a test, I told him that I had the missing SARS coronavirus Uh, Sequences because I know that Equal Alliance probably had these missing sequences. And the next day, this data set goes missing from a safe in my house. So there's the people that can crack safes without being undetected. I mean, there there are CIA expert burglars at this that often are locksmiths. And there's a lot of paperwork, materials you can read about this online, but uh, they break into embassies and and steal things from our enemies. So Mm I had one of those people come up to my house and what I suspect or was the Chinese or someone came in and took this thing. And sometimes intelligence agencies work with foreign governments to do illegal activities domestically. That's a fact. So if the U.S. government wants someone harassed in the U.S., they might partner up with Canadians, Israelis, the Chinese, I think in my case. Well, you know, they're, they're sort of stupid because they didn't really realize the the actual things that I had. So I back at, early in my career as a Ph.D. student, I worked for a department of Homeland Security Center of Excellence where I actually developed the – Um, into the analysis, I should say, of the what's called criticality data for the U.S. food and agriculture system. So I had created basically the attack list for all of U.S. food and agriculture the most critical systems and facilities in the United States. And and I actually had all the attack vector data on. So how would how you would destroy it? So um, burning it down, arson, destruction. Um, Could we use that facility to um, intentionally contaminate food supply. So basically use the food system as a chemical or biological delivery weapon. And I was an expert in this. I'm one of few, very few in the world. There's probably only about five of us left uh, because they sort of quit funding and, and doing that work years ago. So I had all the data for it. They were, and this was actually, this data set was called FastCat and it was officially used um, in the National Infrastructure Protection Plan, which is a big deal for the Department of Homeland Security for this thing called the a DHS data calls where they collect all this national security data from corporations and state governments. Well, I finally get the time when the harassment eases up on me to do the analysis of comparing the attack list against the actual facilities that get get hit. Mm-hmm. And it's like 99.9% match. And out of 2 million facilities, that's a T a, a test score of 1,000, and in standard deviations, it's like 2,000 standard deviations, it's, it's unheard of. I'd never seen anything like that in my life in, in, in real analysis or scientific work. Well, I did, when the data went missing, I reported to the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the FDA, the USDA, uh, people specifically, it's good to name these people, so uh, Agent Jody, Jody Stanley at the FBI, uh, Dr. Leanne Jackson at the FDA, Dr. John Sanders at the Department of Homeland Security, and several um, bureaucrats from USDA FSIS, Food Safety Inspection Service, they're in charge of uh, national security for USDA. So there's never an investigation, and yet these attacks keep happening. It's a perfect match. So what it means is it's likely a state-sponsored actor either hacked the data from myself or one of the other people that, that had it. There's only a few, us, like four, um, or they stole it from the Department of Homeland Security, which is Seems more difficult, but possible. Mm-hmm. Um, or they got it off the drive that they stole from my house. And uh, our, the federal government is so stupid that they'd rather harass and attack me than uh, be careful with the information that they're sending. Because if they took it out of my house, I bet they just dumped it on the market and sold it. You know, so some low level agent or cop comes in here and takes the thing and probably sold it or fenced it off or something, traded it for something. And, you know, so then finally it was somebody with half a brain probably took a look at it and said, holy crap, what is all this? And then then they can sell it for a lot more money, right?
0: Yeah. Is that something that agents and, and lower level people do?
1: Um steal things from victims' houses. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then yeah, sell I mean, it like, and then sell it to others.
1: Sure. Why not? I mean, there there's a lot of there's a long history of dirty cops uh you know stealing sure. guns and using them using them in crimes themselves or selling them back to criminals or stealing drugs from criminals and selling them to people or giving them to their friends. I mean, I, I've known police officers that have done that. You know, they take they take uh, their pot off some some kid and then they give it to their sister or brother you know you wish these kind of things weren't true but i mean i've seen it and you seem like it, it's not really a big deal but in this case the thing that they stole was a highly sensitive national security data set now the you mentioned some other things like these train derailments so yeah. the the train derailments there are about 2.7 train derailments on average per day in the united states so I don't think that these derailments are have been intentional. Uh, and there have been a couple of inc- incidents where they use shunts. It's a device to transfer the electrical current across the tracks to make the train derail. Um, but those don't seem to be uncharacteristic or abnormal. And in East Palestine derailment, an axle failed on the train, the, the train engineers blew past safety precautions, and then eventually the train catastrophically derails. So I don't I don't think that that is uh, nefarious or terrorist activity. I haven't seen any indication of that. So, with all these bad thing things happening, though, it becomes you, it's natural for a person to think like these are all related. These are you know this is terrorism. Someone's doing these things. Well, in one case with the food and ag, ag attack uh, food and ag attacks, I'll say that they match mm-hmm. a national security data set, which is highly improbable. And these railroad derailments do not.
0: Yeah, and like I said, we've seen a couple more, and there were explosions at factories too um, last week, and everything. So I think it's only natural for people at this state, well, always to ask questions, but especially at this place and time.
1: Well, and what also happens too is that with the media. So when there's a pattern in these events, like with yeah. the food facility events happening, people become uh, tuned into it, and then they're looking for it. So then there, that's. In epidemiology or public health, they call that surveillance bias. Oh, you know something's there, there, so you're going to start looking for it. So I think that's what's happening to to some degree with the 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 fires at the petrochemical facilities and mm-hmm. oil facilities. Those could be that's more characteristic of uh, a terrorist attack or a state sponsored actor, someone doing something nefarious. It's too early, I think, and I don't know enough about it to say whether or not those are intentional. But if if a pattern of those started to emerge, that those are typically critical facilities.
0: Yes, the those are concerning, and um, I don't know. It just see, and then you couple that with the with the spy balloons and everything. It just feels like we're being, you know, attacked in some way, shape, or form from all different sides of this.
1: Well, the spy balloons are interesting. So those are. I came out at first. I I wanted to discuss on social media how they use spy balloons or balloons for biological and chemical attacks based on everything we've been going through. and I, I even I thought about it a day after I posted that. And I realized, I'm like, this is a psychological operation. NORAD, the Department of Defense Agency that tracks all the different flying objects around the planet, can determine when a large bird takes off from 200 feet. And the fact that this balloon came from China and floated, you know, for days yeah. over Alaska and Canada, and then floated over the U.S., and then they shoot it down—it's over the Atlantic. I thought
0: that was strange too.
1: It was a psychological operation, classic. And then when they shoot down the, the hobbyist weather balloons near my house in Michigan, I mean, I, I laughed. So they make, they make a big deal out of this. We're closing airspace. Okay. Okay. That gets everyone's attention. We close the airspace and then we send them to F-16s to shoot $450,000 side under under missiles. Miss on the first one, wasting a half million of taxpayer money to shoot down a business's hobby business uh, weather balloon or whatever the heck it was. And they're just trying. This is more psychological operation. Oh, look at how people over overreacted with this Chinese balloon. If we shoot down this hobbyist balloon, maybe they won't think about the o- origin of COVID for a few more days, or how we poisoned everyone with these jabs. I mean, it's it's textbook.
0: It is. It is textbook. That's. It's just calculating and, and coming up with all these different distractions. And I think that's kind of what we were alluding to this this entire time. So let's let's back up a little bit and and dive deeper then into the truth about Wuhan because like you said we're going to we're going to start to hear about it even more intent, intensely now that um you know we're going to have further hearings on this the wall street journal and others are reporting on this so let's dive into just and and hone in on that because do you think, as we start to see all of this, and because of what you know, being linked with the EcoHealth Alliance and, and the gain-of-function research, what are we going to start to see out of the likes of Fauci and the NIH and how they're going to start to talk about all of this from their angle?
1: Well, NIH already quasi-admitted that there was gain-of-function work, or health, I should say Health and Human Services did, which is the parent agency of N- NIH. and so, Dr. Anthony Fauci is part of NIAID, NID, which is a sub-agency of NIH, so the National Institute for Allergens and Infectious Diseases, and each one can talk sort of differently if they choose, and sometimes they do that intentionally to, to create confusion. I think that we'll see, at least from Health and Human Services, we might see more of this disjointed messaging between the CDC um, and NIH in particular. They, those two agencies have the, the, the probably the most to lose, and along with that, they're probably going to be trying to to say that well, I didn't say that, or you know, I didn't quite mean it that way. I think we're going to start to hear hear things being framed that way. We already see Doctor Anthony Fauci walking back his statements, and, and now he's like, well, you know, this wasn't gain of function, this wasn't a laboratory leak, and and now he's like, I think just for the last few days, in response to the Wall Street Journal article, he said something to the really effect of, well. We need to keep an open mind. It could be a laboratory leak. And I mean, that's just so strange. And they know what the facts are. They know what the truth is. And I've said this before is that as this investigation continues, America's going to find out that this was not Dr. Anthony Fauci running the show. He was partly responsible for this, but the emergency use authorization and the procurement for uh, the mRNA jabs came from the Department of Defense. And one of the things I talk about in my book, and I Written about um, on, on different social media platforms and articles is that Equal Alliance was connected to the intelligence community, CIA. Dr. Peter Dasick told me that he was working with them. Um, I came across, I actually prepared documents for different parts of the intelligence community while I worked there. And, you know, when you step back and look at this, it's like, okay, well, this is one giant intelligence collection operation. And, um, Coronavirus sampling effort internationally through the USAID predict program, which is also known as CIA light in the government, you know, sort of a joke. There's 70 years of failed CIA operations through USAID, actually. So you start to put this all together, you're like, what's going on here? And you say, well, okay, so who is really pulling the strings? And it wasn't Dr. Anthony Fauci, even though he's an evil man, he profited off this, he's, he's contributed to the deaths of millions Uh, by bringing the death jab to the market and trying to cover up his own errors with this gain-of-function work. The reality is that this gain-of-function, this dual-purpose research is really a defense national security issue because they want to have medical countermeasures to counter bioterror agents, um, biowarfare agents, and naturally emerging pandemics, which this wasn't, but they still want to have drugs to do that. And the big argument, the way to do that, at least to check the box in the government, was this gain-of-function work. So what what I think we're going to see is that they're going to actually try to pin the blame, as I've been doing, to Dr. Fauci, Dr. Dasick, Dr. Barrett, Dr. Ian Lipkin from um, Columbia University. They're going to get pinned. And the question is, what are they going to say? Because they have the right to defend themselves. So Mm -hmm. they, they might say something like, well, this guy at the CIA told me that was okay. Oh, really? Who at the CIA told you that? Or this person in the Department of Defense, it was their idea. So what the government is trying to do right now is they're trying to compartmentalize the fallout and the damage from this. And I'm not quite sure that they figured out how to do that because I keep screwing it up. So every time that they think that they've got this problem isolated or they got the narrative isolated, I throw something else into the mix, which knocks their narrative off. So they have to create a new one. And that's been my whole strategy for the past two years.
0: Well, we don't want to help them out too much, but, um, you know is there any <laughs> knock to their narrative that that you're uh, that you have up your sleeve that you can share with us
1: well i have to always wait to see what they do mm-hmm. so it's it's reactionary it's 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 chess yes so once they make a move and they come out with their narrative i just have to look where the holes are and then see where i have the documents or i or i know how to find the documents to prove what they're saying is bs that's the whole game and then when i do that i reposition the narrative Based on the facts because it's a lot easier to fight from the truth and punch down than it is to make something up and try to distract or lie the problem is they're running out of distraction and lies and the long list of negative truths and facts that you can infer through logic is just overwhelming so at some point they just have to throw on the towel and i think that's what they're doing here they're going to try to pin this all on china and I'm seeing that narrative in the mainstream news right now. This is China's fault. This came out of their lab. Well, guess what, folks? Uh, China wouldn't have any of this biotechnology unless we gave it to them first. And and that's really the real problem here. We gave them the technology to do this. It wasn't the money. They didn't need the money. That was just a contract vehicle to make it look legit. What they needed was the biotechnology. And I want to know which idiot in the government thought that, that this was a good idea to give the Chinese this biotechnology, because I actually questioned it when I worked at Equal Health Alliance, not knowing what we were really doing. I was concerned that the Chinese might lie, from equal health, uh, lie to Equal Health Alliance, steal from Equal Health Alliance. I was trying to protect the company, but I said to my boss, Dr. Peter Daszky, at the meeting and the other executives, Dr. Kevin Oloval, Dr. John Epstein, Dr. Billy Crash. I said, aren't we the slightest bit worried that China is gonna steal from us or, or do something or screw this up in some way? I mean, because China with American companies, that's what they do, lie, cheat and steal. And oh no, everything's going to be just fine. This is, doc, you know, paraphrasing Doctor here. This is going to be just fine. We're going to do the work. Well, okay, sure, boss. You know, and everyone has a boss or a supervisor at the end of the day, even CEOs and executives. And you know, I, okay, sure, you know more than I do. This could going to be fine. But you know, fast forward, I guess, three years later to the outbreak, and today, five years later, six years. Look at the mess we're in. And someone in, in the U.S. government must have. Must have known. Well, I know for a fact that people from USAID knew, and I know, know for a fact that people from the State Department knew. And that's aka, that's CIA territory. So the intelligence community knew. And they're doing this to collect intelligence. But which idiot decided that we were going to give them this technology? <laughs> like, can you imagine us giving China enriched uranium and instructions on how to make our style thermonuclear weapons? I mean, no. So why did we do this?
0: But like you said, we've we've given China so many other things, you know, when it comes to our businesses, our technology, you know, pharmaceutical technology, they, they make pretty much all of the drugs that Americans consume um, as far as pharmaceuticals go. Um, you know, you, you talk about microchips, you know, naming all of these different things that we have just basically handed the reins over to China to do. So why not this, right?
1: Well, I think it, it's simpler than that. I, mean, I think it, it Dr. Anthony Fauci actually said this after I did one of these narrative shifts on them. Well, we needed to see what was going on in their laboratory. And I had been using that as a, a talking point. And then they tried they took it away from me, took it away from me as a talking point by having Dr. Anthony Fauci say it. Well, no, you guys are sort of stupid. Why does a NIH sub agency director of NIAID care what's going on? wuhan institute of virology you're working a research center for nih it's not like intelligence is your job buddy but not many people in the the media caught on to that and i I pointed that out so this was primarily about intelligence collection and it was a really stupid stupid move and someone in the ic i think is going to have to pay for this and i don't know if it's dia or cia technically the defense intelligence agency or central intelligence agency but it's one of the two
0: given, you know, your background and you seeing how things work, I mean, everybody knows what a fall guy is. Are you, are you anticipating that they're going to put a fall guy, quote, fall guy, fall person out there in all of this? Well, I think
1: there's multiple. And I think it's the the people that I just named Dr. Dr. will not survive this. Uh, Dr. Fauci will not either, but they are mid-level players in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I don't know enough to to call out who the people are who are higher up that are to blame, and they would be uh, either career mid level senior executive staff people, I'm guessing, or um, bipartisan, uniparty types that carried on across administrations. Because the re- reality is that this work in this plan probably was concocted around 2008 or nine, put into action by 2010 or 11 operationalized uh, formally by, like in 2012 or 2013. And so when you look at who is in office when, I mean, a lot of this looks like potentially the Obama administration, but then it carries on to the Trump administration. So it's hard to say.
0: Do you give it that timeline based on, you know, the patents and, and, and such that were on SARS-CoV-2 and the vaccine in 2013 and, you know, how much time it takes place to get to that point? Or what well, are you basing we- that timeline on?
1: Yeah, two, two different uh, timeline paths. So one is the, what I'd call the intelligence collection timeline. So the different intelligence programs that I'm aware of and when they were collecting information and how they're collecting them, mm-hmm. uh, how they are collecting different types of data or information, That a lot of that traces back to, I'd say, 2008-ish. Mm-hmm. Then if you look at the patents, the publications, um, the gain-of-function work through Equal Health Alliance really kicks off under USAID. And, and if you look at this USAID program, it really takes off in 2008 or 2009. So how these typically work, these programs is that they need to, to operate and build the relationships with the foreign governments where you want to do these work and collect these samples. You're just not going to show up as a Westerner and say, hey, I'm from America. Give me all your samples. I got some money for you. They're going to be like, oh, you're CIA. Get the hell out of here. I mean, that's really how it works. Every time I show up working for the government, they're like CIA. And they're like, oh, well, you could be right. <laughs> I see what you think <laughs> out of me. Um, but so there's a socialization period where they get people comfortable. And then maybe even all the people working in the program don't realize what it is. And then at some point there's a flip where they bring people into the know. And then they, maybe they have leverage on them. Maybe they feel like they can trust them. Who knows? But that... I get the sense this is just total speculation or opinion, but my gut feeling tells me that happens around like 2010 or 2011. And they had this, the United States government had this problem specifically with the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the history there of it uh, being de- developed by the French and then be, them being kicked out and the U S coming in that, that's a problem for the West. And since they already had this predict program in place, it was probably a smooth way to transition in. And the Chinese just thinks we're all spies anyways. But it was a trade. you know. We'll give you this advanced biotechnology and you let us see what's going on in your laboratory. And of course the Chinese were okay. Sure, we'll show you our, this this hallway over here. Come check out our hallway. There's nothing nothing going on over here. You know, stand for a bunch of pictures, take pictures with Americans. We're doing great work together. I've had to pose for some of these pictures. It's the worst feeling in the world. Me being a national security guy, one time actually I actually had that. Post for a picture with a very high-level senior Communist Party official who I knew was an evil sob, and oh, this is good for the country. Pose with this guy and my my mentor with me uh, was with me Colonel John Hoffman, and we're standing with each other with the most military straight face. You know, you know, and everyone else is smiling in this picture. And We're trying to stand up in the back, and <laughs> yeah, it's just uncomfortable. We we people know, and you don't want to be caught up in that that situation, those business dealings, if you're someone like me, but this is the reality. It's, it's, it's very slimy. It it feels very slimy when you're a part of it. And I realized I wasn't making progress when I was working directly in national security and biosecurity and pandemics for the government. And that's why I got away from that. One of the reasons.
0: And then now, you know, you're, I notice how you're talking about then, you know, how the China is going to start to adjust their narrative behind all of this too, because that's obviously the other side of what we're talking about here. You know, China, they're making you pose for these pictures to make it look good on their end. Um, You know, they're going to start to try to make it look good on their end and pin things on the U.S. and, you know, uh, these jabs that they rolled out are killing people, things like that. Uh, That's the kind of narrative, which obviously is true.
1: Yeah, it's easy. Once again, Mm -hmm. so their natural pivot is going to be based on the same, my same kind of political, or if you're astute enough to figure it out, it's like, well, okay, what's the truth here? What can we prove? And we'll punch down from that position and make the Americans look terrible. Uh, China didn't beat us once on this. They beat us two or three times. That's what's so embarrassing about it. So not only did they laugh at us probably when they got our biotechnology, they laughed when it leaked because the United States has to bear the brunt of this. And then they get to laugh again when the cover-up explodes.
0: Yeah, it's yes, it's,
1: it's one propaganda victory after another for the Chinese. I mean, you have to look at it from their perspective. I mean, they're able to to lock down their country and you know try to assume more control and more power, which doesn't really work out. And I discuss that in the book. But uh, at least if you look at it, uh, uh, President Xi is still in power, and it seems like the Communist Party is at least pretty pretty strong. It's not going anywhere. Even though they had uprisings related. Um, to the lockdowns in Wuhan and the welding and people in buildings, he's still in power, and I don't—I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Another co- economy is struggling financially, especially in the real estate sector. They have problems, but it's easy for them to take propaganda laps and victories around this one issue on us because we've—we we've, continue to fail and we continue to screw it up.
0: And I think that that's what um, you know, like you're alluding to with China, how the, you know, the powers that be are still there, still in their position. And I think that's what so many people are afraid of, you know, overall, whether that means the global players that, whether that means people within the intelligence agency or in our government and things like that, that, you know, yes, these fall guys are going to happen, but really is anything going to change?
1: Well, so the, they're, they're simple. I mean, there's, there's, there's issues that are on the periphery of this, problem that we have with the gain of function work in China is that we need to be developing and make manufacturing more products in the United States, even if it's at a higher cost. I mean, we're, we're seeing inflation now in the cost of it, and, and the solution is to print more money. Well, that just drives up costs further. So I, if anything that this inflation period has showed us is that Americans actually, we can, we can tolerate higher prices, but we can't tolerate the international security issues those pose a bigger long-term threat and they're also a strategic threat to the united states if war does break out i mean think about if we actually get into an armed conflict with china do you know any supply chains are going to shut down and not just in like over in the immediate sense within 30 days there'll be severe supply chain disruptions for two years because many of the heavy industrial equipment and parts that we order from or we order are made in china and they take a year to two years to manufacture some of these uh, I probably shouldn't say because it's a national security issue, but I can say that there are certain components that you can order that, that I said certain components in water um, processing and refine, uh, refinement, refinement, sanitation and in electric elect, uh, electricity generation. If they were destroyed, it would take two to three years for those components to be replaced. And you can't lose many of them before you have a real, real serious issue in the United States
0: yeah, that's very interesting that you're saying there. basically, there's we think everything is is being made over there, but it's um worse than worse than we can even imagine what would happen. I think is what you're alluding to.
1: yes, and in and, and if you're in armed conflict or war, the problem is if you're having those kind of disruptions just domestically, it affects the critical aspects of your infrastructure that you need to f- support the war. So manufacturing ammunition, vehicles, tanks, Uh, training your soldiers, keeping people fed at home and, you know, keeping your birth rate high because you have to replace the dead. Uh, I mean, this is all realities of war. So with those kinds of disruption, disruptions, it it affects the base. It weakens the enemy's ability to fight from China's perspective. And we'd be in a real bad, real, real bad position. So that's why we need to bring a lot of manufacturing back to the United States. It's the number one national security issue, in my opinion.
0: I think that that is, um, you know, so many people have been concerned about it for so many reasons, but that one is one that's pretty sobering that people can can get on that same level. Well, we're going to show people your book one more time here, The Truth About Wuhan, How I Uncovered the Biggest Lie in History with Dr. Andrew Huff. You can get it, you know, at all the, your major retailers and on Amazon. Um, anything else you want to uh, plug for the book or talk about before we let you go?
1: Well, I don't know. I got like another foot of snow at my house today. We got about 10 or 15 st- feet of snow this year. We're a little bit down below our average. I'm excited to take the snowmobile out. I'm an everyday person like you guys. I like the smell of gasoline. I like to go fast.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that you put it in perspective, because which is something I was trying to say at the beginning of the episode when I shared that viewer email is that, you know, we're all just everyday people. And we're all, you know, patriots here wanting to do the best for our country. Hopefully our country our, uh our our future our children and things like that and you know maybe you're not a former uh executive at the Eco Health Alliance like like you Dr. Huff but maybe you're just a mom who was denied care at the doctor's office and you said something like this viewer did you know we're all everyday people that can say something just like yourself
1: yeah and i my heart goes out to her i mean that that's just insane it, denying care to someone because they haven't received a covid vaccine i mean just, yeah. just nonsense.
0: Especially now. I, I I find it very bizarre. And it it had to do with the mask, too. They wanted her to wear a mask and all this stuff, which, of course. Well,
1: well so here's some good advice for your audience. So this yes. is my test, even of my own physician. So when I go into the clinic and I have to see somebody, I ask the doctor, what's your position on SARS-CoV-2 jabs? They're, I call them vaccines to see how they react. And if they come back and say, oh, yeah, you should get one, I'm out. I'm like, nope, sorry, we can't go forward. And, and I've actually done it. And they look like, shocked And I tell everyone the same thing: if someone's going to give you me- bad medical advice about one thing, they're going to give you bad medical advice about everything else. So just just get up and leave. It's not worth you know any other decision they, they give you. You can't trust, especially when something like this is so out in the open.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think so too. And that's something that I did personally back, um, whenever I was pregnant last year and my OB kept telling me, you know, you should, you should get it. You should get it. And I'm just like, no, I'm out. Like, this is crazy. You just told me, you know, a, one visit ago that I can't take, have cold medicine and eat, you know, turkey lunch meat, because that's a, that's a risk, but you're going to tell me to do, to take this. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. I think that people need to, I think that's great advice.
1: Well, she was right about the turkey lunch meat. I'm better <laughs> for that. You get listeria from it. You, you don't want that. You
0: can't. Yeah, yeah. Not She good. was they she were was worried worried
1: about about it. but she might have been pushing you for the C section.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. That was my thought. That was my train of thought too. Yeah. Uh but thank you so much, Dr. Huff. Um, we're gonna make sure to stay on top of your on top of your Twitter page because I have a feeling that it's going to be um, you know, very informative over the next couple days and week. Where can people find you on Twitter?
1: Uh A G Huff, A G H U F F and I'm on Getter with the same handle. Instagram, I'm the only Huff, but I don't know what to do with that. I just started doing it because people told me to do it. And I'm like, oh, I post pictures of things. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that's a hard one. Twitter. I, I like Instagram, but I could see how Twitter's probably um and getter are a better fit for you. But uh we so appreciate your time here and all of your insights. And we look forward to seeing what other information you're gonna continue to to enlighten us with. Thank you.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me on, Taryn.